But in 2016, I'd been writing stories for Outside and all these other publications, and I loved working for them, but I'd have these great interviews, and then the stories would be cut into like 500 words and didn't do these stories justice. And at the same time, I wanted to start a business. And so podcasting just came to mind. So I ended up taking an entrepreneurship business course and creating and devising wild ideas worth living in that course. And my goal was to sell this show to someone like REI. That's Shelby Stanger, the host and creator of shows such as Wild Ideas Worth Living from REI, Lufthansa's Life-Changing Places, and her own show, Vitamin Joy. On this episode, we sit down and talk to Shelby about why large brands are using podcasts to deepen the relationship with their customers and what it actually takes to pitch a show to a company like REI. Welcome to Lights, Camera, Grow. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Lights, Camera, Grow podcast. I'm Jared sitting here with Andrew, and today we have Shelby Stanger. Shelby, how's it going? I'm well, thank you. It's a beautiful, typical 72 and sunny day in San Diego. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Of course. I love what you guys do. Awesome. Cool. So I'm just I'm going to give the audience a little bit of an insight on who you are, and then I'll kind of let you take it from there. Sounds great. Okay. So Shelby is actually an award-winning podcast creator and host for shows like Wild Ideas Worth Living, Life-Changing Places, and Vitamin Joy, which I believe is your own show. And I'm, I'm really excited to hear about that. Um, she's also a podcast consultant and teacher, which is another area that I would love to know more about. So again, thanks for being on. And uh, yeah, I'll let you take it away if you could give the audience a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks for having me. Um, So actually, for the last 20 years, I've mostly been a journalist and marketer. And then the last three years, I've been in the podcasting world, actually since 2016, so four years. And I've always been interested in adventures, people who've taken the path less traveled, people who've always asked themselves, what if, and then kind of done it, did it. So um, for years, I got my start in journalism, as a kid, I was the journalist. Well, I guess not a kid, but right out of college, I was the journalist for the Vans Warped Tour, which is a punk rock concert. Oh, nice. That's nice. awesome. It's very awesome. fun. Um, and I had to send stories every day through a dial-up connection, which wasn't always <laughs> easy to find at a warp Tour. I was probably at one of your shows. <laughs> That's amazing. It was 2002. I was fresh out of college. And I had really had a really good college experience. So I studied journalism at Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia. I got to intern at CNN, worked for a newspaper in South Africa, yada, yada. I recommend anybody, if they're young, listening, do an internship, work for free. Working for free isn't fun, but it's like it leads to so many great things. And on the side, I always taught surfing. So that's how I made money. Um, so then I ended up working in-house at Vans for a few years. I did women's marketing, then international marketing. And then I left in 09 because I really wanted to be a journalist. This was not a lucrative decision. It was the height of the recession. Everybody's like, you're crazy. And the day I quit, I got invited to go on this like amazing surf trip. It changed my life. And I became an adventure journalist. And then on the side, I would consult with brands like Nike when they launched a women's fitness line. And I wrote about the business of the outdoor and action sports industry. So I had all these contacts and I was doing all these great stories. In between that time, I moved to Costa Rica for a few years. I taught women how to surf and I would do my freelancing job there. But in 2016, I'd been writing stories for Outside and all these other publications and I loved working for them, but I'd have these great interviews and then the stories would be cut into like 500 words and didn't do these stories justice. And at the same time, I wanted to start a business. I'd been interviewing entrepreneurs in the action and outdoor sports industry. And I was like, I want my own business, but I don't want to sell t-shirts. And so podcasting just came to mind. 
except for I had a little bit of imposter syndrome. I wanted, I wanted to be like the next Tim Ferriss. I loved his show, but I wished he'd, I wished he was a woman and I wish he <laughs> talked about things other than tech, like adventure, which I was interested in. So I ended up taking an entrepreneurship business course and creating and devising wild ideas worth living in that course. I treated it like a business. And my goal was to sell this show to someone like REI, who just luckily just bought it, but lucky. <laughs> yeah, that's a story. Talk about a vision and like yeah. executing on that vision. I, I wouldn't say that like I've always had a vision. Like part of my vision has been like, I just want to go surfing in Costa Rica and I don't know how to make this happen. And, you know, I fell a lot. I have a lot of scars, but it's been a wild ride and it's been fun along the way. That's really cool. And that actually brings us to kind of like our first question. So when you, and I know this is maybe a little bit of the horse before, or the cart before the horse, when you're looking at um, concepting podcasts like that for like a, like a branded podcast, what's your approach to like a strategy for that? You know, I had this idea for a podcast and then I realized I didn't know I was going to need so much money to produce a podcast. I kind of thought you could just do it in your garage with minimal equipment. But what I don't really know how to do is edit. And so I knew I was going to have to pay an editor. And so to answer your question, like that was sort of accident. I just knew I needed to make money to pay my editor. So I found sponsors and I needed to figure out what audience, you know, I knew what audience my podcast was going to serve. I thought I was going to reach mostly women. And at the time, REI was a brand that was really wanting to reach women. And someone just suggested I, I should pitch them. Now, you know, if I look at brands, it's tricky because a lot of times brands come to me and they want to do a show. And now what I advise them to do is a little bit different than what I advised them to do in 2016. Like now I think it's about really original content that really, I mean, this is still what I advised in 2016, but it's original content that helps your listeners. But I think now the difference is you have to deliver it in just a more interesting way. And this is not my idea. This is REI's idea, but I thought they came up with a really brilliant concept recently. They did a show called Camp Monsters, yes, which is a branded show just about like, yeah, the different types of mythical creatures you find in the wilderness. And it's fictional, but it's so good. And you know, other brands like West Elm were so attracted to that show, they wanted to sponsor it, which is so cool. So I, I mean, that was all REI. That was this girl named Chelsea Davis who rocks it. Yeah, that's a, that's a really cool strategy. And I think it's brands like REI are really for, forward thinking because they're like, how can we connect with the audience, but not directly connect with, okay, now buy this backpack or buy this camping gear, right? They want to connect in a deeper level so that later on, they can build this like customer out in like a, a like a longer tail. Like they have a they have a customer for life, right? They, they're going to have this person obviously on the apparel side, but they're also going to have them as an advocate fan um, for their forward thinking for listening to a podcast like like that. It's just a fun added value. Yeah, thing. It, exactly. It's value add. Right now, I'm talking to a company that does learning for education, like educational online learning, which is really hot right now. And we're figuring out what people's pain point is. And like, I'm just listening to my neighbors. I've had five different moms in the neighborhood beg me to become a tutor and somehow teach math to their daughters or just do anything or spend time with their daughters and their sons and just hang out with them for like three hours a day. And I was like, listen, I would love to, but like, I can't hang out with your kid for three hours every single day. I've got my own nieces and nephews to hang out with. And so, and so what we're doing is we're devising a podcast that really helps parents deal with navigating homeschool and the challenges that come with it. And so 
I don't know how that's going to do. I think it's going to do well. Yeah, I mean, and again, like, I, yeah, I think you, by offering the value in the pain point area, um, and, you know, obviously, I don't think REI was looking at it from like, what's the pain no. point of telling these camp monster they, stories? Yeah, and, you know, I wasn't part of that conversation. Like, I'm an outside contractor that just got lucky and got to work with REI. So I, I can't comment on their strategy. But I think, you know, Lufthansa is another example. They came to me, they had a strategy. They said, hey, we want to do this travel show. But instead of like talking about Lufthansa Airlines and like our planes, we want to talk about people who are so inspired by a trip that they change their career to fit like to because of that trip. So, for example, we interviewed a soccer player, a professional soccer player in Germany, and he was so inspired by a trip he took to Cuba and he was so inspired by, well, by something that was really tragic that was happening there, not having clean access to clean water. He started this giant organization. So that was one story. Another story was this shame, famous chef, Thomasina Myers, and she traveled to Mexico. She was so inspired by Mexican food and she lives in England, which is like not known for Mexican food if you've ever <laughs> been to England. And so she brought back a chain of beautiful Mexican restaurants to England. And she's like, she's like a food writer for The Guardian, which is kind of like the New York Times. I mean, she kills it. So I thought that was a really creative podcast that I got to be part of. Shelby, question. So um, as a like a podcast consultant to brands, what are some mistakes that you see a lot of brands doing when they're trying to start a podcast? I think a lot of brands just try to sell their product like a little too in your face. And I don't think people want that. Um, that's probably the only mistake I've seen. But I think you know brands that have gotten into the podcast space, for the most part, don't make that many mistakes because podcasting is a total different audience. And if they have figured out to be in the podcast game, they've gotten a little bit of help. You know, one brand that's doing really well is MailChimp. They're doing really unique podcasts. And one of their podcasts is with a friend I happen to go to high school with. And she's a, she's a chef and an author. And her name is Samin Nasrat. And, um, you know, she's, she's doing a podcast called Home Cooking, which launched during quarantine. And it's, it's hilarious. And they interview people like Yo-Yo Ma and like all sorts yeah, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Yep. it's cool. It's a good podcast and it's MailChimp. It makes me like MailChimp even more to be that, part of something Yeah, like that's that. a great point. These things are on the outside skirts of the brand and they make you like and want to find out more about the brand. And the longer tail thing of that is, oh, maybe you'll sign up for the product. Maybe you'll buy something. Um, and I think that, that as we see when we're building branded podcasts for we do primarily for B2B companies, but the, yeah, the first thing we usually try to make sure that they're not doing is like, Hey, here's my product. Buy it in the middle of the podcast. Totally. I mean, MailChimp could have easily just done a podcast on like email marketing and that would have been so not exciting to listen to. That's the thing is when you're listening, when you have someone's ear, you have to tell them a captivating story. And I think that's the biggest trick for winning podcasts over. If you have branded content, you have to be really entertaining or really informative because you don't have pictures to cheat with. So even if you have pretty people, you can't see them. Totally. Yep. So Which in the last like three years of your podcasting career, three or four years, what's, what are some of the biggest changes that you've seen? Well, it seems like, you know, if you want to get the attention of Apple podcasts and be in the new and noteworthy section, you used to just have to kind of launch a show in your category. I mean, there weren't that many players in the adventure space. Now, 
if you want to be in a category or get the attention of Apple Podcasts, I mean, now you have, sol- it used to be people who just could figure out how to use, I'm holding this up, like a right. Zoom recorder and could figure out how to do the techno- technological part of getting audio onto the, a website and then into the, your ears through an app like Apple Podcasts, which before that was even harder to do. Um, now you've got celebrities and you have brands like Hulu and Amazon and Netflix and HBO and CNN yeah. doing their own shows. So it's not just like podcast outlets like Wondery and Gimlet. It's like major TV networks that are really good at producing great stories. And now they just have to do great stories without pictures. So it's a little more competitive. But that's not to say that a hobbyist can still... You know, hobbies can still make it and they can compete totally. alongside HBO, which is so cool. I think it's like the great equalizer podcasting right now still. That might change. But right now, <laughs> you know, no, in no other place can, you know, in TV, you can't be a hobbyist television creator. And right. Complete, I think compete YouTube would be the companion to that exactly. in the video space, right? Yeah. Exactly. So speaking of YouTube, do you produce any, do you have any involvement on video production for any of the podcasts? I should. Um, and I think video is a great component. I, I'm just, I just don't like editing, but wild ideas were living for the first few years. We did add shows to YouTube. Some of the shows I actually filmed live and I think audiences love that. You know, there's a different audience that really enjoys watching versus just listening. And it's a great way to reach more people. And I mean, YouTube is really powerful. Yeah. And that's, we, I mean, we bet heavily on, on YouTube as just like, it's the second largest search engine out there. You know, when people are looking to how to anything, it's probably going to be on YouTube. Um, so as we formulate and strategize for podcasts, we kind of take a little bit of this pillar concept and the idea is like you the the video version of the podcast is the highest piece of the pillar uh and from there we have these small snippets that we can extract out of the larger video podcast and this is nothing new this is something that like joe rogan does and some of these Mm -hmm. other large uh podcasters do but when you put those clips on youtube it becomes a powerful search source for people to kind of explore and find you outside of, you know, finding you on the audio feeds of Apple and Spotify. Because as you know, it's really hard to find discovery uh, in, inside of those type of platforms. So um, totally. that's how that's kind of like the way that we frame YouTube um, when we're thinking about like a larger uh, podcast type. I think it's really smart. I mean, if you don't like brushing your hair, YouTube's not the best option. But as, as long as you can show up and like you know, you don't have to look perfect. But I would even beg to differ these days. It doesn't yeah, matter, maybe you're right? right? Maybe you're right. Doesn't matter. Doesn't I mean, matter. All you're the late hosts right. haven't gotten haircuts in like, yeah. like True. four months. And when they you're first a- started, they were shooting everything on their phones, you know? No, you're 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 absolutely right. And I think people don't care. They want the real you, which is so nice. We're just in this world where authenticity rules. Yeah, because you can't hide anything anymore. Right. Exactly. Right? Like no one can hide from anything anymore because to your point earlier, like the internet in a lot of ways is the great equalizer, you know, in terms of distribution platforms. Like we, we couldn't even dream of doing stuff like this 10, 15 years ago, you know, and the, just, there were so many less platforms that would allow you to distribute at scale. And just because technology has evolved so quickly, even just the hardware now, you know, you can buy a, you can buy a a, yet, a blue mic yep. for like 120 bucks or whatever. Plug that into That's your computer. Yep. You've got a, essentially a decent a, podcast studio. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh. Did you guys plan to wear button-up white shirts? 
We did not. We did not. Are you sure it not, wasn't for you too? Yeah. Okay, well, it looks, mine, it looks mine, really good. I don't know if you can see it on the camera there, but mine has a little flare. It's got little polka dots. So <laughs> I can see that. It looks sharp. You look sharp. Thank you. <laughs> um, so in your opinion, and like I I don't I have no idea what the catalog of podcasts that you've come across, but what what do you think is the difference between like a good podcast, which I'm sure a lot of people put out, versus like a great podcast? You know, content is like king. So you have to be able to tell a good story. But I think audio production is becoming more important. So good music, good editing, good sound. So if you're recording just using like an iPhone and you're outside and it's loud, that just that's not fun to listen to. It's really nice to have a little bit of music and intro and like people don't have all day long to listen to podcasts. I mean, some people do and they really love it, but I think quicker stories, I mean, our attention spans as humans have become less. And so, you know, tight edited, entertaining podcasts, that's with good quality and a really good host. Some hosts, I think just talk too much. And some people like that. I try to not talk that much when I'm interviewing someone interesting because people are there to hear from them. That's a really good. So I think a lot of people forget that a lot of people listen to podcasts with headphones, right? And you pick up a lot more in headphones than you would through your iPhone yeah. speaker, which basically only your lets car like, speaker, yeah. yeah, like 25% of whatever the, yeah. the sound out. Right. Um, so like you hear, I think the audio quality to your point, gets even more important when if people are listening in headphones, you can just pick up a lot more of the detail, right? Which can be distracting if you're outside and the wind is blowing around everywhere and the person sounds like they're 20 feet away from the mic. <laughs> and it's also really intimate though. So yeah. like, there, there's power in audio stories. We just released a story with REI's Wild Ideas Worth Living today. And it was about a rock climber whose best friend had committed suicide. And it was really sad. I didn't realize it came out today, but my phone started, you know, getting some really thoughtful, nice messages about people who are just so grateful for, you know, being honest and open and having this, this rock climber, um, be very vulnerable about a not easy to talk about subject and, um, but also be really passionate about the sport of climbing. And so, you know, people, one person said, Hey, I, I, I was running. I normally run while listening to your podcast, but this one was really hard to run to. And I had to stop and walk. And I really appreciated that. I, I thought that was a really nice compliment to receive. Yeah. It's, um, our clients who hire us to help them build podcasts. We, um, a lot of times they, they start asking about, you know, what's the right approach to do this? You know, how do we look at it? And you know, how do we look at engagement? And, I remember one story we had was our client, like the podcast episode was like 32 minutes long or 35 minutes long. And the statistics were showing that, you know, the average listen time was like 23 or 24 minutes. And she kind of raised the question, like, why aren't they listening all the way through? I'm like, well, you know, there's obviously people are going to drop off. They might, they might've ended their commute earlier or whatever, but let me just ask you this, like what other piece of content are you literally in someone's ear for 23 minutes and it's your amazing. undivided attention? Even when I'm watching TV these days, I'm doing something else. Yeah, totally. You know what I mean? Totally. But when I'm listening to a podcast, like I'm in it, you know, and I think a lot of people like you literally have their undivided attention for the, and look, average, uh, if, if someone lands on a blog post and their average time on that post is like 120, 150, 180 seconds, that was a win. 
you know? So now you're getting someone to engage and be attached to your content almost 10 times longer and you're communicating more information to them because you're speaking, right? As opposed to them reading and they're listening. So I think that's something that a lot of people overlook is that you're literally in their ear for that, uh, that amount of time that that episode is going on, you know? Yeah. And I, I think people, they like to be entertained, but they really like to learn. Like we are, in, in you know, the podcast listener, the average listener is pretty erudite. They're pretty well read. They might listen to audiobooks as well. Um, they're usually smarter than the average person just watching YouTube because it takes a little bit more. I don't mean to, st- I mean, it just takes a little bit more thought, is what other people yeah, say. Yeah, I think they're curious. The yeah. They're, they're curious, yeah. uh, like and a little bit more curious, totally, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you want to give them information that they can, that can really benefit them from them and that they can grow from. No, I, I, it's just those moments, that, and you've probably had these, like listening to it in the car, like, oh yeah, yeah, that's what I agree yeah. with that. You know, you're shaking, you're literally shaking your head to the person, and like, even in my mind, I'm thinking, like, yeah, that's what he's saying is totally right. I couldn't articulate it that way, but this person just did, you know. And I think then you start building this weird connection to the host, right? Yeah, you have all these, you have friends, which is so great. I have all these friends that I don't even know about. And every now and then I'll be surfing or at a coffee shop and someone will hear my voice and they'll ask me about my podcast. And it's always so exciting. And they'll know a lot about me and I'll be like a little freaked out at first, but it's so cool. Yeah, that's, that is really cool. Yeah. And I think, you know, just going back to the comments about like audio quality, like in when, when you're the host and you're like, you have an, affliction in your voice and like you're making a point whether the other person disagrees or not they're going to have an opinion and think deep more like deeply about what you're saying um and one thing we always tell like our like one of the in in our production is like video we do focus on video but the audio quality has to be great because people will turn it off if the audio quality is not even subpar that's that's but actually the, a good point. Yeah, but if the video off. is subpar, right. people will still listen as long as the audio is great, right? Yeah, um, it's totally true. Yeah. You know, a lot of my videos, and this sounds crazy, but a lot of my podcast videos, I didn't record them. So I just put a picture of the podcast cover and it's just sound behind it. And people still listen because they just like YouTube better. Yeah, they'll like the platform better or they just happen to be on YouTube surfing for something else. Totally. And if you have a guest, it happens to just be a YouTube star like that. That will definitely boost your win-win, right? Yep. Um, Okay. So jumping really quick back into your background of marketing, how has that helped you in your podcast career? Have you taken like any tidbits that you maybe you drum up some old marketing thoughts that you had back in the day or something you learned? Yeah, I mean, I had like no money when I launched Wild Ideas Worth Living, and I just had to have people listen to it. So I tried every marketing trick I ever knew in the book to get the word out. So at first I didn't tell too many people about the podcast. I just kind of launched it, told my own network because I wanted to make sure I was going to stay in the game. And there's this magic rule of seven. If you can produce seven podcasts, you'll learn how hard it is. But if you can get to show seven, you're good to go. But most people fail and drop off before show seven. Just because that it's is a lot the of magic. work. No, all right. Yeah. Unless, I always thought it was 10, but seven's probably closer to the threshold for sure. Yeah. Nice. So yeah, it's so like one of the things I had a lot of experiences doing is pitching. Like I was a freelance journalist and if I didn't sell stories, I starved. So I, I figured out ways to 
actually syndicate some of my podcasts to different outlets and let them use my content because everybody's starving for good content. And this was like a piece of content they could use. The other things is I was really cool to my guests and I sent guests snail mail. And the only reason why I did that was because, you know, being a podcast guest sometimes takes a lot of time. You know, not, with you guys, it's super easy, but but it is an investment of your energy and time. And I just wanted to thank them. So, you know, at the time I could do a snail mail card, you know, with other guests, like I'm able now to like send gift cards or coffee gift cards or something. Um, I think saying thank you goes a long way and just saying thank you in a meaningful way. Um, the other thing is I made it really easy for my guests to share the podcast. I would write them a letter with exactly what they could say if they wanted to take the copy. Great. And I even made it, I don't like, I had a guy help me, but he made it so that all I had to do is click a button and it would end up on Twitter. Um, I also gave them square images so that they could Instagram about it. Instagram doesn't do that great for podcasts. Um, I've experimented with audiograms. Audiograms work really well. And then, you know, I talk to other podcasters. And I think one thing I learned, and I teach this in a lot of my podcast classes, is to market a podcast, you have to go where podcaster, podcast listeners are. They're not necessarily on Instagram all day. They're listening to other podcasts though. So that's a really powerful marketing tool. And then I cold called people. I cold called people at like, I finally figured out who was at Apple and I found some people at Spotify and like, I just learned how to pitch and figured out ways to connect with people. And then like one time I did a podcast about a slackliner. And so I experimented with Facebook groups and I found slacklining groups all over the world and gave them the podcast about the slackliner. And it actually did pretty well. That's awesome. So that's really interesting. So a couple things to unpack, right? Number one is if you're launching a podcast from scratch, um, let's make the assumption that you actually have a brand and you've got a following. You've got a social following, all that kind of stuff, right? I had no following. So like that, that was really tricky for me. I, I was like totally anti-social media. But that's media. most people, right? Yeah, they don't I didn't, have I didn't a like Instagram. I didn't want to do, that's why I wanted to have a podcast because I didn't want to put pictures up all the time. Right. So I think what a lot of people make the mistake is like, okay, I'm launching this podcast. I don't actually have a true brand built and I don't have that much of a following, but I'm going to spend all this time on social media. And it's like, no, you actually need to stop doing that because you need to build the following first to distribute your content to them. I think social media is very hard to get that attention because there's so many people at the top of that funnel, right? So what you need to do, and I think what you just really correctly like keyed in on is like, how do I just roll up my sleeves and just do some old fashioned partnership building, cold calling, reaching out, building personalized emails, and just trying to build the brand or the podcast itself on more of that like one-to-one basis. You know, I think with all the tools and technology we have today, we get a little bit lazy where we take the shotgun approach to everything. And look, like if you're a Coca-Cola or you're a huge brand and you're about to launch a podcast, you've got 15 million or however many followers, that's great. All those people are probably going to get in front of your podcast, but most of us don't have that luxury or we haven't been down that road before. We're trying to start something from scratch without that big of a following, right? So I think that's something you got to think about is do more of the one-to-one approach as you're trying to build, right? And then the other thing I did that nobody does is I created flyers for my podcast oh, cool. and I just stuck them up That's everywhere awesome. I went. It's like a show, shops. right? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, this is really cool. And I had, you know, I had really powerful visuals on my, on my artwork and I had really cool guests. But, you know, I had this like adventure podcast with like 
giant guess and I, I put them all over and people are like, people would text me pictures of like seeing my flyers and like the most random of, of coffee shops all over from, you know, LA, actually all the way down the coast. So whenever I did a road trip, we just took a stack of flyers. Nothing moves the needle like being on another podcast. That's number one, audio, but everything else does add up. And the other thing is I just spent a lot of time really trying to make good, valuable content before I did any marketing because I just wanted to make sure I was going to stay in the game and that, you know, podcasting was pretty new. So like to tell someone to listen to a podcast when I started was a big ass. Like you had to show physically show people. That was a cool thing is like, I also, when I met people on the plane, I could just take their phone and like get the podcast app for them and add my podcast. I mean, obviously you can't really do that during COVID, but yeah, that was one of my first pieces of marketing was like how to download the podcast app and add my podcast. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, so the thing is like, not everything has to scale, right? Everyone's like, everything's got to scale. We got to grow like hockey stick growth for everything. And I think when you first start out, like actually some of the most unscalable marketing activities, flyers, for example, right? Like how do you get that first group of a hundred people, right? To just engage and really like what you're doing and you build from there. But I think a lot of people try and get ahead of themselves and like, how do I become the next Joe Rogan? Yeah, I also think they don't focus on the content. So yeah. like what she was just saying about making sure that you actually have something to say worth saying, have a great story and hopefully a great idea. Maybe your idea doesn't have to be fully flushed out at first because yeah. to me, podcasts are living things. They should always be evolving anyway. Um, but yeah, I think if you, you got to have content without so you, the content, yeah. you can't Even promote if you anything. Have that great content, you put it in front of like just 10 people, right? Who find that content really engaging, really good for them, right? Then they share that content. Yeah. And that's that's the secret sauce, right? Is you want other people sharing your podcast, right? Um, getting that sort of earned media, if you would, right? Like that just totally. That free- and Lufthansa did cool stuff. Like, you know, when I was working with them, we came up with some really great ideas. I was like, listen, you guys have airplanes. Like everybody's staring at their seat, like for at least 90 minutes when they're in that plane. What if you just had like a little podcast logo and like the name of the podcast right there? Brands, I mean, I don't know, you know, you work with a lot of B2B clients, they have mailers, they have all sorts of things. There's really creative ways to advertise podcasting in those different packaging that your clients might Yeah, they need content. They're always, I mean, they need social content. They need email newsletter content, all that kind of stuff. And the podcast just becomes like a really good, like central pillar piece of content to distribute out across all the other channels they have. So yeah, for sure. Um, Show notes is something I spent a lot of time with because I'm a writer and I thought it meant so much to have perfectly written show notes. Well, turns out most people listening to podcasts don't read show notes. However, they are good for Google Analytics. And if you're talking about specific resources, you know, it's a great way to include that in your website or to be able to give like an entire show notes if it's written like an article to another outlet so that they can run your podcast in story form. Switching a little bit on the gears as far as like we've been talking about branded podcasts. What is Vitamin Joys? What's the story behind that? And because that's a, I'm I'm assuming it's a completely different experience in that podcast. Yeah, you know, I just, I was really worried when I sold my podcast to REI that I would like miss podcasting and miss my own show. And I I come across such unique people. I always want to be able to tell their story. And I no longer like writing stories for magazines. That, That genre has just, 
It's not the same as what it was. Let's put it that way. I love interviewing people. And so I'm really interested in the wellness space. And I'm also really interested in humor. I think it's, it's just humor is something for me that is so cathartic and so healing. And it's also something that we've sort of lost as a nation a little bit, our sense of humor. Especially and right I, now. Yeah. And it's, it's really tricky for me. So doing a podcast just on humor was going to be a little too much for me to bite off. However, you know, combining wellness and humor was something I wanted to talk about. There were so many wellness podcasts I saw there that were just inaccessible to the average person. They're just like so hardcore. And I kept hearing this word vitamin joy and it just made me happy. Like everybody could use a little bit more vitamin joy in their life. Vitamins are easy to take. They're swallowable. They're affordable. They're accessible to everybody. So I wanted to still do things like test out weird prescriptions for health, like water fasting or giving up caffeine or, you know, probably not doing mushrooms because I'm like freaked out of that stuff. (laughs) Maybe interviewing someone who does. And then I also wanted to talk to comedians about humor and people who use humor in business. And then I wanted to talk about meditation and mindfulness. So really, I just wanted to create a health and wellness podcast. And, and, you know, in the back of my head, I was like, look, there's also a lot of brands that would love that are in the health and wellness space that, you know, if I needed to sell this podcast, I could. But for me, this is like, this is honestly just a passion project. It's not gangbusters big. It's small. I'm not using all the same marketing tricks that I used to, because frankly, I'm, I'm, I'm a little buried with a couple of other projects, but I love it and I'm building it and I'm building it slow and I'm getting to test out different marketing tactics that I didn't use the first time. And there's like, it's growing every week, which is great. And that's all you can ask for. You know, I thought I would have a lot more, like, like if I put my podcast feed of vitamin joy in some of my other podcasts, it would automatically grow, but I'm not doing that. I'm going to see if I can like grow it in 2020 organically, um, and see what happens. And so far it's, it's been a fun experiment and people really like the episodes. That's awesome. So obviously you're super busy between Vitamin Joy, the branded podcast that you're probably still consulting for. Where does the teaching come into play and in, in that aspect? Because I'm really curious that like and take us like ground level, like how you teach the class and what the class is about. But also, how do you fit that into your crazy schedule? Well, I'm lucky. I don't have kids and it's just me and my dude and like some surfboards. So we don't have a dog. Like we have a really free life and we're incredibly blessed and we can work from home. We live on the beach. You know, our place is falling apart. We don't care though. Um, surfboards are more important to us than things. So we figured out a way to be a little bit more minimalistic. And so that's one thing. And two is like, I don't, I don't mind working hard. The podcasting class just came about because, uh, my, my husband kept saying, you're going to coffee way too much and giving away all of your advice for free. And then you're like tired and you're not necessarily contributing to like our, our rent through this. <laughs> um, why don't you just create a class and let everybody have it, you know, make it affordable, but you can also make some money doing it. And that way, you know, you don't have to have like individual coffee meetings every single week or every single, I mean, literally it got to the point where every single day someone call, would call me and say, Hey Shelby, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. Can I pick your brain? And now if someone says, can I pick your brain? I'm like, oh, like I get scared. I have like a little PTSD because I just got it so much. And, you know, I've picked people's brain before. So like, you know, I get it. And I wanted to make something that was valuable to people. But also no one talks about the monetization part of the podcast. No one talks about how to get sponsors if you have no followers. 
you know, and you don't want to use an agency or if you don't have an agent. And like, honestly, I went through the process of like talking to agents at big Hollywood um, agencies and also talking to podcast production agencies and then also talking to podcast advertising agencies. And so I've learned a lot of tricks and tips that I wish I would have known when I was starting a podcast. And um, my parents are professors And so teaching is something I just enjoy. I taught surfing for years. And part of teaching is like just part of that is being a therapist. A lot of people have imposter syndrome around starting a podcast. And like part of my job is just to get them to realize that they're good enough to launch a podcast. Totally. The other thing is, is like a lot of people have a product they're already selling. And if you have a product you're already selling, then that's like a great podcasting is a great marketing avenue. You know, for me... I didn't have any products to sell. I was just, I guess now I have a podcast course, so I can use Vitamin Joy to sell that. But really the podcast course was just a result of so many people asking me for my advice and then learning so much that was never talked about in any podcast class and any Google search. And then I looked online and saw some other podcast classes and they were just absolute. Some are pretty bad. Nothing I would take. Like they were like, how to do an interview, how to book a guest, how to use audacity. And I was like, no, people want to know, like, how do you really market a show? How do you engage with guests? How do you create a good interview? You know, what's a trick to like reaching out to Apple? Is social media worth it or not? Like, what are other ways to monetize your podcast? What's affiliate marketing? What's Patreon? What's how do I reach out to sponsors? How do I pitch sponsors? So we talk about all of that. And, um, you know, a lot of people are afraid to pitch sponsors, but like we all use products and we're all super fans of something. And like, I'm really big on the art of a cold call to a brand, especially a small brand that sells direct to consumers and like doing an ad for them and then sending them the actual ad read and charging them an affordable cost or doing an affiliate deal with them so that for both parties, it's a win-win. And you can make a lot of money doing that. And like the brands are stoked. Yeah. And it also, I think having a brand on there also gives you a little bit more social proof. Like people are going to take it. Oh, this, this podcast is actually kind of serious because they have a little bit of sponsorship behind them. Someone does believe in them enough to like hook them up with a deal or at least, you know, maybe give them a few bucks here. So yeah, that it does go a long way. Well, I had a friend who runs a van rental company out of Oregon. They're super cool. So if you ever go to Oregon, they're called Romerica Rentals. And she sent me this, this pitch kit that someone had sent them. And she's like, Hey, I'm going to do this podcast and be an advertiser on them. I just wanted to let you know. And I was like, this is great. And like the, the girl was charging her $10 an ad, a hundred dollars for 10 ads. Like if I was an advertiser, I'd give someone a hundred bucks to yeah. do 10 ads for me. That's huge value. I charge more than that, but you know, good for this kid for doing that. I don't charge much more though. Like I'm, I'm pretty fair. I charge more than that actually. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's fair. Uh, what are some other avenues of, um, of monetization? D- d- like, what do you, what else do you focus on? Cause I think that's always a big question. Well, I think a lot, a lot of the people that came to the first class were yoga instructors, athletes, professional athletes. We had some real estate agents. We had a woman who owned her own juice company, a couple entrepreneurs. But for some of the people that were like yoga instructors and sort of influencers, celebrities, professional athletes, Patreon. I mean, even Rich Roll, who has probably makes plenty of money himself, like he has Patreon, which I think is really interesting. Patreon is just a site where you 
you can give whatever you want in exchange for whatever services value. as yeah. a podcaster, you know, and, and putting out a podcast is work. You know, there's hosting fees, there's microphone fees, there's your time. I mean, there's, there's a lot that goes into a podcast and it does cost a little bit of money. Um, and if people just want to support you because they like your content, that's awesome. So that's one that I haven't used personally, but I have so many friends who use it and they absolutely love it. The second thing is affiliate marketing. And that's not like a generic affiliate deal. Like, um, Amazon or, you know, Audible, like I do my own affiliate deals with certain brands and it's, it's worked out really well. Now you have to have a relationship with the brand and ideally the brand president or the marketing manager, or you have to forge one. And then, you know, a lot of brands do these things where they, they give codes and in exchange, if someone uses your code, they'll give you 10%. And if you're selling, you know, a $70 protein powder, for example, I'm on, I don't do this one, but I'm giving you an example, you know, you're making seven bucks and like you've get, you know, a couple hundred people at seven bucks, that adds up pretty fast. So there's all sorts of ways to do it. You know, if you just do standard CPM and work with an ad agency, you're not going to make a lot of money. I mean, even if you have 20,000 listeners, that's $250 an ad. You know, that's, that's not, a, unless you're doing a bunch of podcasts a month or a bunch of ads per podcast, which I don't like to do because I think it's annoying for the, for the listener. You know, that's tricky. Um, the, the CPM game is just, it's hard. Even outside of podcast advertising, you know, everyone's looking further down the funnel for different metrics. You know what I mean? And yeah, yeah, I, I think that that whole idea of just buying impression share or whatever, like that's, and that's why I think the affiliate is you're actually looking for that end conversion, right? That yeah, at least you have a way to true. track it too. Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, you know, that's the other thing is it's like, it's on you if you're not selling anything. So then you got to do social posts and you've got to do some other things to stoke out your client. Cool. All right. Well, I have one last question. This is, this is the kicker. Only this is hard, one more. Only one more. No. Um, so outside of the podcast that you're affiliated with either production or helping teach, what are you listening to? What's caught your ear? You know, randomly, well, well every now and then I'll listen to The Daily just because it's well produced. I still like Tim Ferriss's podcast. Every now and then I'll listen to Joe Rogan, but it has to be my friend on his show. Um, I have a girlfriend named Rhonda Patrick and she has oh, found she's my awesome. fitness. She's a friend. Yeah. Of, yeah. She, she just happens to be a surfer back in the day. Oh, for real? Like, I know her from teaching surfing. She's a great human. Um, sorry, Ron, I don't listen to your whole podcast because it's long, but I listen to some of it and it's really, she's sharp. And if you have the bandwidth to listen to a full podcast of hers, it's awesome. But actually, I recently listened to this podcast called Surf Splendor. And it's another surfer in the surf industry. And he interviewed a girl who lives on an island with her husband. And it was just so, and she lived in New Zealand. And now they're raising this kid and unschooling the kid, which means um, letting the kid learn at his own pace. And he's three. That to me was just such a fascinating story. And I love surfers. So that's the most recent one I listened to. Give me two seconds and I'll tell you what else I listened to because I feel bad. Um, I listened to Melissa Hartwig's podcast recently. She was a guest on my show, so I wanted to check it out. I actually really liked it. I have a friend who is a really unique human and he has a podcast called Get Together. And one of the founders is from Creative Mornings, like one of the original founders of Creative Mornings. He's from Facebook and the other host, this girl named Bailey, is from Instagram. And they're all about building community and they have some really interesting guests. Um, and then I was listening to a comedy show, but for some reason it's, it's not on here. 
uh, yet, but you'd have to ask me like different days what I'm listening sure, to. Sure. Sometimes I listen to my my guests on other people's podcasts because I'm just so curious about what they talk about. So like I'll listen to Rich Roll has a lot of guests that I've interviewed. So when he does, you know, his podcast is so much longer than mine, um, and, which I think is so cool. And I'll listen to his podcast as well. And then recently I listened to a podcast just because my friend works with him is with Steve-O. And okay. it's really, it was really well produced. It was really funny. I like Camp Monsters just because it's so, it's so cute. It's from, from, from REI. I don't know. What do you guys listen to? <laughs> That's a great question. So yeah, I think same thing. If you ask us, we, we probably have a few staples here and there, but on any given day, I think that's the beauty of something like a podcast feed where it's like it can change at any point in time. But I'm a big fan of most of what The Ringer puts out. Um, they, they have this great intersection between sports and culture. Um, And they're either doing something political, but always relating it back to sports or movie culture and relating it back to sports, or they just have your typical talking head type sports stuff. Um, And I actually will listen to that. I'll wait to listen to tomorrow's podcast about the games rather than watch ESPN in real time because I'm so much more interested and invested in the hosts of the of the podcast so yeah so that's usually in my feed I'm trying to find this one girl I know has a podcast and it's so cool she donates like thousands of dollars to a charity at the end of every podcast trying to find out the name of it that's really good yeah my feed is just all news I actually consume all my news through podcasts I don't watch like I don't watch the regular like media networks. I get snippets of it through like NPR has like a daily thing similar to the daily that they kind of I put love out. NPR. Um, so I listen to that every day. And then the daily is definitely the, the wake up thing that I listen to in the morning. And then there's a couple of Bloomberg ones that I listen to as well for finance. Oh, good stuff. for so you. I'm a finance guy. Have a boring, more boring kind of podcast. Uh, not, not as much of the pop culture stuff, but I, I consume most of the information that I don't have time to read through podcasts and that's really cool. that's how i stay up to date on things so. yeah for you know, me it's an escape that's great <laughs> Plain, it's just an escape yeah my husband geeks out on like fitness podcasts all day long he'll listen to trainers from ireland and you know he's really into just normal body movement not using yeah, weights the only trying to get healthy skin i listen to is really joe rogan but that's because he jumps around between so many topics like so i i listened to ronda patrick's i i I think she's one of my favorite guests on his show. Totally. In fact, my wife, when she was pregnant with my, my, my one year old, my now one year old daughter, she listened to that episode and she was, it was when she was pregnant and talking about her diet and all the DHA and the salmon row and all those other things. And my wife actually adopted that diet while she was pregnant after listening and she became a pretty big fan of her pod after when she started her podcast. So like, Joe Rogan's interesting because he just jumps around between so many. He's weird, such a good interviewer. Yeah, and he's you know he's he's an he's a pro interviewer, but it's just the the variety of topics that he touches on. Some of them are really far out there. Some of them are more of the social issues that are kind of going on now, and um, some of them are controversial. But those are some of the best episodes sometimes, right? <laughs> of course. <laughs> I think you guys are great interviewers. Oh, thank Thanks. you, thank you. <laughs> it's fun to talk to two people at once. Yeah, we uh, when we first started it, we were kind of like trying to like figure out how to do this. Yeah, and I think we kind of naturally kind of like fell into each other's vibe and kind of figured out how to how to run the show between two people. So yeah, you do. But great. Jared is the brains behind the show. He's the one who masterminds everything and concepts the episodes and thinks through the creative direction and all that kind of stuff. So. I'm really excited to get your help taking all my podcasts and putting them on YouTube. Yes, please. Uh, I'd love to talk more about it. It's um, it's 
I think it's a really like underplayed strategy um, that, you know, obviously it's easy to say, well, oh, well, Joe Rogan can do that because he has X amount of followers or, or so-and-so, whatever famous person you can think of. But for businesses and smaller creators, it's a really good platform that's still kind of untapped. And it's just like the podcast realm. There's no amount of pie. Like it's never going to run out. You're never going to run out of consumption on there. And they're always going to find better ways to keep you into the platform. So the more you can figure out how to get into it, into that cycle, the better off your chances are of being discovered on it. Are. Yeah, I'm part of this new startup. I think I can talk about it. It's called Build Your Life Resume. It's with Jesse Itzler. And it's an on-demand radio station. Oh, so we're wow. going to be oh, wow. experimenting with some different things on that pretty soon as well. Awesome. Please keep us uh, posted yeah, on, on the progress of that. That's awesome. Cool. Cool. Well, I think that about wraps it up for us today. Awesome. This is so awesome pleasure, to have you, Shelby. Guys. Thank you so much for having me. For people who want to find more, I'm really easy to find. I'm at Shelby Stanger on Instagram. I don't really do Twitter, although I think I'm Shelby Podcast. And then my website, ShelbyStanger.com, has my courses, my podcasts, surf pictures, <laughs> journalism articles, all sorts of things. Perfect. I was just about to ask that. And we're, we'll actually put you in our show notes. Even though nobody reads them, we'll still plug you in them. <laughs> oh, they'll read them. Well, thank you so much, you guys. It's been a pleasure. I can't wait to talk more. It's, yeah, it's been, it's been really nice to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time. And I hope you and your family stay healthy. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. Thanks to Shelby for being on. And thanks to our team who put this together. If you like this episode, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and tell a friend about the Lights, Camera, Grow podcast. If you're interested in learning more, head on over to our website, tobyagency.co. Thanks for listening.